Welcome, Military Millionaires. I am your fabulous co-host, Alex Felice, and I'm here with uh, David, who can't afford a real computer, so he's on his cell phone, but he is here, and he is growing his beard out. I've never been so happy, and we are here with the fabulous, the always wise Paul David Thompson. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to, um, to, to, to have this show today. We have, as far as I know... No agenda. Our guests, I believe, all know who Paul is, or have he's been on previous episodes. So we are going to have a more casual state of the market talk and um, just kind of deep dive into people's lives that we already know exist. So we don't really have to do so much of a formal interview setting. Paul, thank you for being here. How are you? Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle 1, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger. Vic One Oscar Mike. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in. And we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes. We're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and we'll really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Awesome. It's going to be a show about nothing and it's going to be the best one yet. I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm all about it. Uh, yeah, Alex, uh, if you had been here on time when Paul and I were talking, uh-huh. uh, you would know that the reason for the background and the cell phone is that I'm running a hundred plus fever and been home with the flu all day, but I'm here. So The thing that I love best about David is that you can, he's got thick skin. He really does, but it takes him a bit. If you, if you bust his chops, his first immediate response is defense. Always. <laughs> he's going to explain himself. And so I just, I'm like a fisherman. I'm just bait, 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 bait. bait. <laughs> and uh, I, so far, 100% success ratio. I've never missed. And Alex, you're the exact opposite. You, know, you, don't, you don't give a flying flip when anybody cares about you or, or thinks about no. you. No. Um, you know what? I will start really with... You want to admit it. No. I, well, look, uh, in the infamous and brilliant words of Nassim Taleb, this is good advice for everybody, especially for the internet. Yeah. There are two types of people, those who try to win and those who try to win arguments, and they are never the same. Mm. I never try to win arguments. Well, how many times have you actually tried to win an argument and felt like you walked away? Yeah, I, I, I just got one over on that person and like your life is, for one, it rarely happens. And two, even if it did, what's the point? Because you didn't change your mind. <laughs> right. 
So I'm not here to try to win arguments. I don't even bother. I'm just, yeah. I'm here for the, the bait. And then and the reaction. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I leave here. You deal with that problem now. It's You're just fault. an instigator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah which, right? is, which I think is actually probably more petty because like you could just not bait and then you'd be great. Like well, this would be great. It was yeah. true. It'd be boring. It'd be and, boring. Any, and Alex is anything but boring. Boring yeah. is perhaps or the punctual. worst. <laughs> Fair. I am not guilty as charged. Huh? That's a flaw. That's a flaw. Uh, um, my girlfriend's, uh, her and her brother say that uh, boring is the worst social sin that a human can, can commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do not, I do not do such a thing. Yeah, I, I can say when I know Alex is around, we're going to have a good time. There's just no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, can't 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 argue that point one don't, bit. Don't don't do that, Paul. Don't stop the ego. No, don't oh, feed don't, don't feed this this, this animal. It. Yeah, don't don't do that. How's my hair look? Don't do that. <laughs> oh my god. Paul, tell me what you got going on recently. Yeah. Mm, okay. So um, I have. I was just telling Dave. I have given myself permission to to not produce things like i am i'm financially independent i um still do things for money but i don't have to earn money in order to like make the world spin anymore so um i'm kind of off the hamster wheel in a lot of respects and i podcast but i podcast as a hobby now um i never really did podcast for for a profit and i just have a, a portfolio that i tinker with and so i, I really tinker more than anything now. And one of the, some of the experiments that I'm running <clears throat> are I um, have uh, scaled back my wholesaling business significantly. Some of that happened to me, some of that was a choice. Um, the market's been very competitive lately, uh, really hard to find discounted deals. And I never did really like that rat race. It was kind of a means to an end and I don't need the ends anymore. So I'm still finding deals here or there on my local market. But now what I'm doing is I'm having fun with my existing portfolio. So I'm taking my existing portfolio and I'm just trying to kind of level up and like reduce the management strain. So I have property management on everything. And then I'm doing a couple of little fun experiments where I'm taking a couple of my nicer properties and changing them from long-term rentals to what I call midterm rentals. So not short-term Airbnb, but midterm, like 30 days or longer corporate rental. So you still, you still furnish them, right? But you, the, the management headache is way smaller and you still may use Airbnb to market it or furnish finders to market it, but you don't turn over every two or three days and have that cycle. I want everybody who is new to really listen to what Paul's saying, because he's saying the same thing that I'm saying, which is if I could summarize um, we're at the mature part of the market, folks. The time to expand was four years ago, right. three years ago. The time to um, make what you already have work very efficiently is now. And for those that don't know, if you're new to real estate investing or investing in general, all the real money you're going to make in your life is going to come from down markets, not from at the top of the market. And so if you're... Um, you know, lucky enough to have been in this market already and you have some uh, portfolio, like I have uh, my seven, eight houses, not certainly the portfolio that, that Paul has, but my goal is the same. Sit on what I got, if maximize what I got, you know, you have to stay competitive and, and still play the game, but 
I'm not in rapid expansion mode. Um, I am staying, I'm, I'm keeping my ax sharp for when the opportunity uh, pre presents itself. And that is a common theme among those who are wise and have been doing this a little while. Yes. Yes. Because will this continue for three or four more years? Probably. But we don't know that for sure. Um, and it's just so hard to find the, 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 the 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 polished well, or or the the diamond in the rough that you're going to polish right like it's really hard to find the discounts like the business is what I'm in and so what I'm doing now is I'm changing my acquisition strategy and I'm actually doing another little twist where I'm going into a different market altogether and both geographically and functional. So it's still single family, but now I'm playing in land. And so I feel like um, there's an opportunity for a blue ocean strategy where you can, just right now, finding single family deals in any major metro existing built uh, single family properties is a red ocean strategy, right? Like, I mean, it is super competitive. It's, it's as competitive as I've ever seen it. I've been doing it for six years. So I'm going to land plays where it's, I'm just taking raw land that is um, could be converted to developed single family, and the demand for the growth of single family is huge, huge. There, there, there was a huge drawback or a huge um, shortage of single family prior to COVID, and there has been for the last 20 years, and it just keeps stacking on itself. COVID just made it worse, right? So the thing about the buying the land is I can buy the land, and I can afford to sell the land. I don't have to do anything with it. Right. It's not a cash cow for me, but I'm in a place where I can afford to take it down and I can then I'm not actually developing. I'm setting it up so a developer can buy it from me. I like it. I love it. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I kind of inadvertently fell in that game recently when I bought a piece of land because the guy next door told me he would buy it if I could get the title cleared. And then I got the title cleared and now he's, you know, nowhere to be found. So I am <laughs> currently playing the sitting on a piece of land game with a for sale by owner sign stuck in the front yard. You know, Paul, what I'm most, Oh, sorry. So sorry, David. You kid. Um, what I'm most surprised to hear you say is that you are, um, is that you are slowing on the podcast mm -hmm. or content. And here's why, because, you know, I look at everything that I do with my time as an investment mm -hmm. and I look at it, um, uh, again, you know, uh, informed by Nassim Taleb, my hero, is where can I get asymmetric gain for mm -hmm. lower risk? Podcasting, content, the military millionaire, these things have very high potential returns and very low risk. And so right now in this top of the market where, you know, doing flipping or doing wholesaling, which are capital intensive, high yep. risk businesses with shrinking margins and yep. becoming more difficult, the asymmetry of risk and return is... Um, is the gap is, is decreasing. Yeah. Or, or it's actually going the opposite where some people are spinning their wheels and actually maybe breaking even mm -hmm. um, in a market that's probably not going to get much better. So, and I look at content like, yeah, what's the return is very unknown, but the risk is very low. So I'm very surprised low. to hear you say that you're, how, what do you, what's your response to that? Well, <clears throat> I, I don't enjoy the cycle to me. Creating content is way more, uh, demanding on me than it is flipping a house, um, than it oh, is running a business. Um, I, I like the, 
the the puzzle of running a business certain certain aspects of it and so that's what i'm leaning into so my content right now is me going into the the business i'm just not going to produce a lot of content around it i'll do i'll post them some things here and there i'll have a, a facebook um um story you know i'll do a little bit but i'm not out there trying to monetize content because i've realized that's not uh it doesn't suit my personality. I, I don't do really anything consistently for a long time. I, I, I find something that's a shiny object. I figure it out and then I move on. Right. And I don't want to have to have the, the cycle, the, the demands of my time to have to schedule and, and build and produce and, and make good, crispy content that's really fun to consume. Because that, to do that well takes some thought and effort that I don't find to be enjoyable. I like to come up with the ideas. I hate the production part of it. Well, and to put some context behind that from what we were talking about before the show, the whole reason that conversation came up was that Paul was saying uh, he currently works from 8.30 to 3.30. So when his kids go to school to when his kids come home from school and he just kind of views content and stuff as like a hobby that he does when he wants to and not something that he like has to do because he's not stuck in the, the hamster wheel, right? He's not stuck in the grind so he can afford to just lay off and hang out with the kids. Um, I love so this less... because it's so important to spend time on things you like doing because if you like doing things, you will do them to a high degree. If you don't right. like doing it, if you're their chore, you're going to be bad at it. Yeah. David, you do a lot of content. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer building a business or do you prefer doing content marketing? I'm still trying to source that. I like both, but for different reasons. Um, still trying to find that out because uh, I'm, I'm, I've got, well, I guess three businesses, but one of them is just like a holding company for all my rentals. Um, pretty much two businesses, right? The platform and uh, my off-market like wholesaling. One of those businesses goes is is at a point where you know it could self-sustain it makes a lot of it does well for itself it's whatever and it's a blast the other one of those businesses is just now into the like you better pump some money into this sucker or you're gonna be stuck you know uh mode so it's it's like one of them i really enjoy working on and the other one is is feels more like actual work Which uh, do you enjoy Still trying to feel that out. I mean, so that's the weird thing, right? Is that I'm at a spot where Say it. we know you have the, we know, I know you have a I'm, preference. I'm free, right? So I'm, I'm free. And so it's like, I'm really trying to figure out which one I like, that's kind of been my, my crux lately is like, which one do I enjoy and which one do I really want to lean into? I mean, honestly, I, I enjoy the brand, right? Like I, I think, I think the fact that I think it's much more pliable and you can, you can go a lot of different directions with the platform and the brand and the content. Um, but at the same time, like building that feels much like much less like a business and much more like, let me film some videos. Whereas building the uh, like off market thing feels much more like a business. Cause it's like, well, I got an acquisitions guy and now I'm hiring this and now I'm doing, you know, so it's, I don't know, different. <laughs> I guess it depends on what day of the week you catch me on. I'd like to comment on the wholesaling business because <clears throat> that's something that I do as well. And I've, I'm probably at about 10% capacity as I was about a year ago. And part of that was because I had business partners that uh, went, went their own way, <clears throat> you know, more power to them. And part of that was, do I want to rebuild, retool and do this again? I tried and I didn't like it. And, and it was harder. Um, 
and there is a, a, a variety of market pressures against that business being successful. There's a lot of um, legal kind of jurisdiction pressure coming there. Uh, Oklahoma just passed a state that or passed a law that you basically have to be a licensed person to wholesale. That basically made it illegal. Um, the, the Illinois has done that already. There are probably multiple other states that either have or will pass similar laws. The real estate commissions do not like wholesaling. And for, honestly, for good reason, for good I reason. Mean, it's, the same, well, to my personal opinion is I don't, I don't like wholesalers or brokers. I mean, I, I, I welcome the day where, you know, blockchain technology takes over titles and then I can just buy a place from you. We, we can do a transaction at home and the title that, that will come. Really. Of course as, it will come. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how quick, how quickly. So maybe we'll, we'll table that because that'll yeah. be interesting in discussion. Um, but in the meantime, this is like, the, the cartel, the broker, yeah. the, the RIA um, commission bro- uh, cartel is going to totally. lean on, especially when they're watching wholesalers make show up out of nowhere and make more money than them. They like, are making more in a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. They're yeah. like, you guys suck. Well, We're this. I should probably clarify that I say wholesaling because people understand the business model behind that. Uh-huh. I'm trying to buy everything that I find off market. So you're, you're doing the We Buy Houses marketing in order to, to, to uh, source your yeah. own deals. So yeah, okay, I will we'll, wholesale we'll a deal or two to keep the doors open, but I'm trying sure. to hold it all. I'm not making a distinction about the two, um, David, or saying one's worse than the other. I'm just saying um, people are doing transactions outside of the real estate commission. <laughs> And right. they're making a lot of money doing that. And the real estate commission's like, we have a legal grapple hold on this situation. So we're going to lean on this because sure. Um, and 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 the other side of that is there's more realtors than ever. So they're like, you're, you're we're getting more people, we're getting more um, we're making we're getting the higher probability uh, possibility of money because we have more realtors and they're getting cut out by these non-licensed brokers. And so we're going to lean, uh, put these pressures on. And I think both of those things are actually going to cause somebody to come in and say, we can cut out both of you guys because they're both making too much money. We can digitize the title um, process. And then the rest of it is the only people who are going to need brokers are retail new buyers. Yeah. Right. The, so, so let's switch to the, the digitizing of title. <clears throat> I um, have only heard murmurings of people who are actually working on this. Do you know of someone who's actually working on solving that right now? No, everyone I've talked to. Yeah, same here. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's the blockchain. It's like if there were ever a place for a a decentralized public ledger that made sure that you, (laughs) it was for land. Well, interestingly enough, if you think about it, it already is, right? It is. It's municipality by municipality, which actually is what makes it so difficult to get. Because the deployment of the technology actually has to be quite centralized. Somebody big has to come along and say, city by city, we can install this, we can do this, and we can go through your records and digitize them all. And it's going to be immense progress. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to start getting it by county or by city, and somebody's going to come in and say, everything new from now on will start being digitized. And you're going to, I know you're seeing it in LA where they have properties that you can buy into by share because they're digital, digitally blockchained already. So I know that some of it exists, but I think we're on a 10 year. 15 year timescale for this sort of thing. Um, my, my hopes are not high for this. And this is not what I'm um, trying to wait for. This is just me fussing about brokers for 10 years. And I'm like, finally, I think the end is near. Yeah, because you're right. It is, it is an interesting cartel. I mean, everybody kind of uh, just uh, just accepts that, that, that their authority matters, right? <laughs> I'm well, still kind of convinced. Don't say everybody. Like we're in the like dot com, dot com bubble of... Uh, 
like crypto. So like I think in you know a few years, 80% of the cryptos that exist right now will be gone and it'll all be replaced by a better, you know, whatever, like the second iteration, second wave. I don't think we'll really start seeing stuff like practical uses like that until we get into that that point, right? Because you're right, it'll take, I mean, like I think of Buffalo, Missouri, where I own the hotel, right? Like their title company, like good luck if you need a record online. I mean, you can go right. back and you can find the books that are, you know, this big and like eight from the 1800s that are handwritten. <laughs> like somebody's mm-hmm. going to have to go through that if they want to be able digitize to it. Show, Surely digitize it. Well, because there's digitizing and there's also creating a blockchain that tracks the chain of title. That's a different thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but, but it takes the first to do the second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your point, David, about crypto, um, which is different than blockchain. Um, being used regularly. I think what's interesting enough is um, NFTs are going to, I think, help that because now you have scarcity on the internet and you're starting to see it with, um, again, I don't know if this is going to last, but the metaverse, right? Where people are now actually doing transactions with, um, for, you know, I don't know about real assets, but to them, real assets, I don't know if they're actually going to be real, but they're buying real estate on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. And and they're buying scarce real estate on the internet. So now you're finally starting to see use for um, crypto, for lack of a better term, let's just call it, I'm going to call it crypto dollars, cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it'll all shake out, nor do I, I have I no, it, anybody it, does. Right. No. And it's not, it's, it's not even fun to speculate because it's so everybody's got their opinion. It's all over the place. I, I well, assume we're, we're, wrong, so. <laughs> we're in the 1999 of the internet right now. Like, do you remember, and I'm not sure, I forget how young you guys are, but I I was coming out of high school and in college in 99 and I had a computer engineering, I was in a computer engineering program and I was surveying what was happening in the, the, the digital space. And I was kind of like becoming one of those people and I didn't see it. Like, I just didn't see, I didn't have the vision to understand just what the internet was going to become. And and because it was also new, like this is before Google even had a, a browser, like Yahoo is what we you know, your web crawler. And I was we were using. It was just, yeah, exactly. It was I mean, Netscape. like Netscape was just like this. Um, like Netscape was the platform you used to. You know, it was the browser you used. So, and a lot of people put a lot of money into Netscape, thinking it was going to be the thing. And so we're in the same place now with cryptocurrency specifically, and which one of those horses is going to win or what you're going to build at the top. You know, Bitcoin is like the big um, kind of the 800 pound gorilla because we all know about it, but what else is going to like, like actually move the needle and like have actual use cases where it's going to change the world. I don't know yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I agree. We talk about the, the like being able to buy real estate online or whatever with the the metaverse. Like yep. I jumped into one of those games. Well, actually I jumped in about a year ago, but I didn't know what it was. Sure. And uh, apparently my account deactivated because of how long I was out of the game, oh. but I jumped back in about a month ago and I've been, you know, buying, I probably got, I don't know, like $1,200 in there, like crypto buying some properties. It's like 12 mm-hmm. properties or something, but it's fun. Like it's like, I could see it actually becoming something not because of like intrinsic value. Although I think that's there as they like people want to buy their house or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, man, it's, it's kind of a fun little game as a real estate guy. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I've been horsing around with it. I don't know what it's going to turn into, but 
Yeah, that right there is top of the market mania. Like, oh, it's just fun to spend twelve hundred bucks, and I'm like, yeah, at the bottom when shit. Well, I didn't in the spend twelve hundred. Well, but I'm I'm just saying, I, I'm you know, there's a, there's a lot well, of. Money I mean, I crypto. I spent like two hundred, and I've built it to you know by buying and selling houses on it. There's a there's a lot of people who are doing the invest investing. They're pooling money into things that uh, are fun and. um you know, when it's not so fun anymore and life gets a little painful, they're going to rush out just as fast yeah. as they rushed in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the oldest story in economics. Um, so yeah. uh, when is. and how that, when and how that looks, I have no idea. So I have no, I have a little bit of Bitcoin and a little bit of Ethereum just to make sure I knew how to buy it in case, you know, the next time it drops 50%, I might buy some more, but um, for the most part, I am, um, I don't know how you guys are. I'm a very risk averse investor. I bought real estate because I said, this thing's not, there's no, even if the metaverse takes off, it can't replace an actual roof. Right. So uh, I believe real estate's going to be around for the long haul and I'm okay with my, the percentages that I make and I don't need to be chasing every shiny object and th the game is long. So there's a lot of time to get in. You can still become rich. And it, have oh, totally. Low. Totally. So, so here's the thing that, that, that I feel like I missed, uh, like I'm 43 now when I was, you know, I don't know how old, uh, early twenties, uh, late teens, early twenties, I kind of saw the internet happening and I missed it. Like I, I didn't, like, I didn't have the vision of any of these entrepreneurs that, that, that made interesting things. Um, I didn't have the entrepreneurial spirit at the time at all. Um, I, and then 2008 happened and it crashed. And I felt like at the time, damn it. I like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime and I don't know what to do with it. I, I was just like, Ugh. Um, so that's when I kind of put the intention out, like I need to go learn some of the stuff so that if and when this happens again, and it took me a long time to get started. But once I did in 2015, I started buying properties and just stupidly the, you know, like kind of the same principle of just buying something that has tangible value. It just appreciates over time. And when COVID hit, um, my wholesaling business took off and I made, I, I did a lot of business during that time. So weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, I couldn't predict that at all. I mean, even when it happened, I was, I mean, I, I was puckering big time um, and not knowing exactly how it was going to shake out after the moratorium, the initial moratorium, real estate took off and my business took off. Well, on, on top of that, the value of our properties I and mean, nearly everybody's properties just took off in value. Will it stick? We'll see. Um, feels like it will. Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, uh, Alex like, kind of thinks it will or won't, but there, there's no economic driver I see that, that indicates that, um, that value, even if it's just inflated values, the values will remain. Yeah. I, look, I, um, I think it's very common for everybody. It's very common during bubbles for everybody to say, um, well, the market's risky, but the way that I'm positioned is safe. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like inflation's here and it's, it's a risk that nobody alive has ever really dealt with. Certainly not in our social goals. Not, and it's not gonna in be our a, age group. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be a, so it's a risk that we have never dealt with. And it's a risk that has very unpredictable effects. And somehow everybody in real estate has convinced that it's going to be good for them. And so I find that to be a very 
Scary um, concept, yeah. It, yeah, what a co- what a what a fabulous coincidence. The biggest risk in economics that we've never had before. That if you look on history, other than outside of the United States, um, inflation can have absolutely devastating, devastating. effects to an uh, to an economy. And yet somehow you've convinced yourself immediately before the negative effects are even here that it's going to be really good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not you, but you know, in general, in that's general, the narrative. Yeah. And so um, maybe I'm wrong, but I find people to be um, overconfidence is generally their problem, not underconfidence. Being being careful. Yeah. Not careful. Yeah. Over. So mm-hmm. I look at people and um, the, the market got hot in 2017 to 19. And I was like, oh, the party's over, right? Everybody's buying Me retail Me now. Yeah. Like it's done. And then since then, people have not become less confident. They've become more confident. As the market has gotten more difficult, as competition has r- risen, as risk in the system has built up, as we've gone to the end of the Federal Reserve subsidy, because that's what's happened. We're, sure. we're all on a big subsidy. Yeah. As all of this comes to an end or comes to a, to a, like a peak, everybody's getting more confident, not more risk averse. And so I look at all that and say, Paul's right. The time to kind of go slow and wait, maybe not wait, but be cautious is right. Definitely careful. So, you know, buy on principles. If you can buy a property that is, um, that can cash flow, like if you can buy in the money, like we, I think we know what this means, buy in the money, right? Um, still that principle applies. I think it'd be really foolhardy to run out and buy something based on future valuations right now, because future valuations f- are what? Or future rent increases. Future rent increases. Uh, few, uh, just buy based on now, <laughs> and and buy ba- um, buy conservatively based on now. And one of the philosophies that has changed in my business is when I started 2015 through 18, I was in a hyper discount buyer mode, and I is because I was just getting started. I was I had a you know a lot less capital, and I, I just wanted to buy huge discounts, and I want to control huge discounts, and I wanted to basically. Um, you know, secure equity, value, and properties. I still want to do that, but I'm um, more comfortable now buying a more premium product, not at the retail value, but closer to the retail value. I'd rather buy a Class A property to be specific at a 10% discount than I would be buy a, a Class C property at a 50% discount because I don't want to manage that that asset. I, I want to manage the nice three bedroom, two bath, seventeen hundred square foot, two car garage all bricks that was built after 1980. Yeah, I'm culling my herd right now. I'm uh I have a 10 unit stummy very well over the last 4 years. Uh, I think I've pulled like 80k out via refinances. It's always kind of cash flowed. Um I say kind of because you know it's like not on a monthly basis but on a yearly basis it has. Uh but it's just it's a class C C minus. It's 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 my more headache property. And so I'm yeah. taking the fact that it's, you know, no matter where we are in the market, we're in a good spot for me to offload that thing. So I'm going go to time to sell your underperforming assets is right. Meow. I sold, th- I sold two underperforming assets this year. Yep. Yep. And yeah. And how long and, is it going to last? We don't know. So sell them now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I could be wrong. You know, I could watch those things go up in value and I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, you can't play the, you know, Oh, looking back game. You have to play the, what's the, What's it look like right now, game? Also, right. I love that you said buy A class properties. What I learned buying discounted properties in C class neighborhoods and stuff is they're good for cash flow if you buy them cheap, but you're not going to get any appreciation. Certainly Very not little. in my market. Very so little. once you have some and you have those cash flow, if you're buying cheap properties that aren't going to appreciate, 
and you're tight on cash flow right now, and you're not buying that much equity, it's like, what are you really doing, friend? What are you yeah. really investing in? So if you're going to buy a tight property, and you know what? This translates to multifamily. This is kind of where I'm at with multifamily. You either need to go lower mobile homes, yep. or you need to go higher. Because if you're going to buy a multifamily at a five cap and it's a C-class, no. Mm. Buy a A-class at a three cap, Right. you'll get a fraction of the headache and you'll only get a little bit less return. Um, so I th- right. and and you have the likelihood, especially if you're in a, a urban area, you have a likelihood to have appreciation because those areas are still going to grow. They so, have the highest likelihood of, of of appreciation over time. Yep. Paul Thompson dropping mad wisdom. I'm a little <laughs> surprised. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You know, I I keep looking at multifamily and um, even since 2015, I mean, I've bought a couple of very small multifamily uh, projects. I think at this point I'm now other than duplexes, I'm out of multifamily entirely right now. Um, and I'm not opposed to buying um, multifamily. Um, I always have to have the management solution in place. I cannot wait to figure out the management solution afterwards. I, I would crash and burn. So that's always been my kind of, Achilles Hill is management. I have to have that solution because I won't be the guy. Uh, what, what are you doing for management on your projects, Alex? So, uh, you know what I did was I had eight single family homes that were managed by one guy who was an investor. And I yeah. basically geared him up to, he managed my 24 unit and he got, got a it. hold of it and he did a good job. And so when I bought the 52 unit, I made him a partner and he's managing that one as well. Nice. I do worry that he's a bit tapped out, but there's an interesting thing about multifamily at scale. And if you kind of take a broad step back and you think about how the world really works. When you're new, you take opportunities that are kind of right in front of you. Um, you suck and you take kind of crappy opportunities. Yep. And that's just the way of the world. And then yep. as you get better at life, you take on, as you become a more sophisticated operator and you become more competent at what you do, you take on more difficult projects. And so when you go off and you buy an A-class 100 unit property, it's actually easier to find higher level managers not like a mom and pop guy, but there's like companies out there that do professional management. And a lot of times they'll buy in as a GP with you because they're like, yeah, we want a piece of that. We know how to run it. And so when you buy more sophisticated properties and you get to that scale, not to say that I've done this, but this is, I've been around it enough to see how it works. Um, As you become a more sophisticated operator and you become, and you buy more sophisticated properties that scale, you can find more sophisticated operators to, to buy in with you at like discounted rates and they can, they can, they can buy in with you as a general partner. So they have a vested interest. Like if that thing fails, their money goes away too. So the structures become more integrated. Also, um, this is not a solicitation, but, uh, I recently joined a, a group of operators who are more experienced than me that need a guy like me who's loud on the internet. So they have a in-house property management group that they have been building and growing across a portfolio of 900 doors for the last few years. Um, that is how um, this firm is going to implement new multifamily going forward. So that was very appealing to me when I- And made that, that point you just made is, is my primary hesitation for not continuing consistently creating content. Is what? The-, the, the you are the loud guy on the internet and they, you provide a service to them by being comfortable about producing content and you have name recognition. People know who you are. Um, 
so many opportunities that I've had come from the, the networks that I've created. And the primary mechanism for me creating networks has been through uh, content creation, even, you know, so why are you stopping? So why are you well, stopping? I'm not stopping. I'm just giving myself permission to do it as a hobby and not as a business because I, I never monetized my, I care. I care. I cared nothing about monetizing content. I just that that, that business is not, not my personality. To be clear, to be clear, everything I do is what I consider inbound marketing. I do yeah. not monetize content in any way direct. I don't sell any courses, right? Yeah. I don't, um, I, I literally just come on the internet and I do loud because I enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm like, I stir some feathers and, and there's actually no real, I don't have that much. Um, I don't want to say I don't have that much on the line, but like I don't, because I don't directly monetize, I can go on there and say what I think and I can be loud and people go, oh, that Alex guy, I just yeah. love his style. I will come do some business with you because I trust you. I believe in yes. you. And so for me to your, I think we're saying the same thing, right? Content for me has always been a hobby. I just happen to enjoy it to a high degree. Yeah. Um, you know who's really good at it is David. He's really good. He's really good at doing both where he enjoys it. He provides an extremely valuable service. He has a really good job of monetizing it in a non-sleazy way. Very, um, I totally agree. And one day he's going to realize that that's his superpower and he'll lean into it mega hard and quit dicking around with all this other stuff. But, <laughs> but he's not that bright. So it's going to take him a little while to It'll figure it out. You're going to yeah, get louder more much often. Fun. <laughs> he's got he's got military millionaire he's got the war room he writes a book he's got a podcast he does good with all of it people love him he provides a a valuable platform for people to interact and grow and yet he's screwing around with the, this other stuff half and half just to make a little bit of money to feed his ego and um and and buy camera lenses that he wants again ego he's like alex bought that camera lens i gotta buy this camera it's lens definitely not because chasing real estate deals is more of a thrill of the hunt thing than putting a video on YouTube. There's no like thrill of the chase. Wait till right? he gets a hundred thousand views I, on a TikTok video and then you see how thrilled he gets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had that a couple times now. I know. Um I actually just paid I'm such a firm believer in TikTok now. I just paid someone two grand for one-on-one coaching uh through the algorithm for like eight weeks. So we'll see what happens. I know um, where your future I think, is. You like, don't after know. after after I had a couple things take off with that, I was like, holy crap, this is powerful. Um, and then a buddy of mine went from 40,000 followers to 1.1 million in six days on TikTok two weeks ago. And his business, like, I was like, holy smokes. So I was like, all right, I'm a believer. But the, the, the thing is, like, I don't wake up and think like, oh, man, I get to make a TikTok video today, right? But I, I do feel that way about like, negotiating a big deal or negotiating a house and then like putting the pieces together like that puzzle piece on on real estate is fun like i could totally shut the real estate out and be fine but it's just not like content is fun but in a different way it's not like a yeah. it's not like a challenging like mind like like puzzle it's not like it's not like chess right i kind of enjoy like strategy games and like there is a strategy to content but it just doesn't scratch the itch in the same way as like buying real estate, which is why I'm still screwing around with real estate. Yeah. I feel you. I Although while we've been talking, I've seen text messages go across that we just got an offer denied because uh, on a 27 unit, because the seller decided they only want a cash, no contingency offer. So they can 1031 and they don't understand that they still get the money at closing either way. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun conversations later, but 
a cash, no contingency offer. Um, yeah. Man. Mm, so you have to do all your due diligence beforehand before you, I mean, that's, that's the way I think. Well, this is, this knucklehead bought a property that he shouldn't have. Uh-huh. Um, like not like a bad property, but just this person buys on the South side of Springfield and they bought a bunch of stuff on the South side. And the guy who owned it was like, well, yeah, but you got to take this property too. And so now they're trying to get rid of the, this property too, that they bought like three months ago. And we pretty much own that market. So this is a 3,200 population town and we own 80. Well, there's another partner in it. We own about 106 doors in that town between the four of us. And so it's like, all right, dude, like we are your comps. Here's what your properties are worth. Um, we'll give you full asking price because he asked a fair price for it. Uh, well, not the duplexes. He was out of his mind for his duplexes. But but for this, this 27 door, he was pretty on the money for where it is right now. But the market rents are like 650 and he's rented for like 425. So lots of upside. And we were like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll give you full price what you're asking. Uh 45 day close, inspection appraisal, you know, normal purchase. Yeah, normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he just came back and was like, uh, no, I want a 1031. So I need it closed in uh, 20 days for me to do that. And I need it to be cash with no contingencies. And I was like, I don't think you understand how this works. No, nope. like, no, thank you. <laughs> you're in a small town. Nobody is going to touch that at 1.2 million cash. This isn't Dallas. Like, 1031. Yep. It's, it puts you in a, a pickle. I mean, sometimes the, the tail wags the dog, doesn't it? Yeah. 1031 to me is the, um, I had a, I did a little talk last night about transitioning to multifamily and I exited a 24 unit this year and I didn't 1031. It. I just sold it and paid the taxes. And somebody said like, well, why would you do that when you could 1031 it? And I was like, well, you got to go find another property. It's not always that easy. And then what yeah. ends up happening is some other people are 1031. So guess what? They're overpaying the value of the property against their tax burden. So you're competing mm-hmm. against people who you're just competing against people who have very different situations. And so I said to him, I'm like, you know what? It's hard to go broke taking profits, mm-hmm. paying my taxes, my 20% taxes and taking 80% profit is just not the end of the world to me. It's the maybe tail it the dog. Yeah. yeah. Maybe people might think I'm, maybe I'm naive or maybe I don't know any better. And I'm not saying the 1031 is bad by any means, but I'm also saying like, I'm not willing to hold onto a property that uh, I need to dump or I need to get rid of, or I need to take the, the net, the winds on because I can't 1031 it. It's well, it's trying just, to save 20% in taxes can drive very bad behavior that ends up co- costing way more yeah. than the 20% taxes. Is what yeah. You're, you're going to overpay for yeah. the next party by, by 20%, which is more expensive. The mistakes compound as just as much yeah. as the tax savings. Right. Well, and let's be Could. real. Like if you don't 1031 and the money hits your bank account, you're not like tight. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like it's not good investment advice to be like, bro, you just made two hundred thousand dollars. You can go buy your dream car. But at the same time, like, if you ten thirty one, you have to buy a property with it, and your your keyhold, right? Like that's that's you it. Are. You're and then you're back yeah. to you're back to yeah. cash flow. But like, what if you've been doing you know real estate for like six years, and your goal was I don't know to buy a buy a horse for your kid, and now you're like, oh. I can't use any of that money for a horse. Right, right, right. Like, so, I mean, like there's, there's a point where like paying the taxes isn't the end of the world, especially if it means like you can actually enjoy a little bit of your money and then you can right. go and reinvest it in 10 different things. Well, and, and here, yeah. I think there's also a deeper point that just because you're, you, that's your taxable amount right now in your situation, there are still things you can do in that tax year that can improve your tax burden. 
right? I mean, there are all kinds of end of your tech strategies that don't require you spending silly things of the things you don't need. Legitimate investment and tax advice that you can save taxes while still paying your taxes at lower rates. Uh, yeah. So I pay taxes. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Now I have no time burden. I have no, I don't have to go out to the market and buy something that, you know, under a time pressure or that I think is overpriced. I'll just pay my taxes. And I, I just kind of look at, you know, Paul says, well, I missed this opportunity in 01. And then, you know, I didn't want to miss the opportunity in 08. And now I'm 43 and I'm like, okay, so you're, you know, if you start investing at 30 and you're 43 and you're going to live till you're 90, like you're in the beginning, you're in the first inning. So I really am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm still in the first third for sure. Um, you know, assuming I live out the years that I, that, that I'm, I'm my, the IRS tells me I'm going to, um, then I, <laughs> I'm probably, saying, I guess life expectancy will go up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean, there's oh. a whole schedule that tells you like how long you're going to live. So just base your life around, around what, what the IRS tells you. And you're probably pretty, pretty, pretty accurate. What the heck does the IRS, IRS know? Listen, pretty, here's what's going to happen. They're great. They know everything, Alex. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to live to 120 years old. So you guys got a, a ear, a lot of earful of me coming over the next couple of decades. I'm going to live to 120, right? And I'm 38, okay? Now, look, I didn't pull my head out of my ass until I was 30, right? My first 30 years, I was an effing idiot. Broke every <laughs> week to week, dumb. I did nothing with my time. I wasted my time. Serious, a lot of it. Wait, so- I'm I'm eight years old, right? And I got like another 80 years to go. So we're just getting started. Like I do not have to make my, the the young folks that are trying to get rich in two years are playing the wrong game and they're competing against a guy like me and I'm trying to get rich in 40. Right. And it's going to be a very stable, low stress way to um, get rich. So I'm not worried about being under some kind of time pressure, a six month time pressure for a 1031. I can pay my taxes because- Honestly, all my real money is going to come after the next crash. And actually, that's not true. All my real, real money is going to come after the next, next crash. Everybody's wor- worried about, this is why Taleb, anti-fragile is so good. You don't need yep. to worry about how to make money during the next crash. You got five more market cycles to live through. You need to learn how to live through all the market cycles, not just the next one. So, well, And, and there are principles that apply. So here's the thing. You and I, or probably anybody else who's out there who prognosticating, we cannot predict the next cycle time, and we sure can't predict what that's going to be. Who right. would have predicted that COVID was going to be what COVID was? Nobody, right? So I mean, even people who actually called it didn't call it 100% right. You can't so, call it the specificity ever. No, right, right. So, the, so you need to collect principles. You need to collect uh, approaches to how you deal with the market and everything Alex preaches all the time is based on what you've read from people who have spent a lot of time thinking about this and have, have published very carefully crafted books talking about these principles and or they're dead or they're dead. Yeah, they, they, they could be. Um, if they're dead and their books are still selling, there's some freaking wisdom in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, shit. no kidding. Um, so there, you know, I, I don't think you have to be all that smart to be a successful investor, um, but you do have to have this emotional uh, intelligence to keep your personal psychology in check. Buffett. Uh, so the guys that I li- the, the guys that I really like, um, the guys who I think are the wisest walking around right now are probably Taleb and Dalio. Um, mm-hmm. But if you want to be a guaranteed to be rich in your lifetime 
and you want to do it low stress. And I mean, you really want to guarantee it. The guy to listen to is Buffett. Yep. And Humongous. he he can yeah. he can rattle off investing principles that are just so wise because the thing is the market cycle doesn't go by economics. If you're looking at financial statements and economics to learn how to the market cycle, you're looking at the wrong thing. The market cycle is driven by emotion, and it's the same cycle Plato, uh, Socrates predicted it 2,500 years ago. You got it's basically going to be arrogance on the way up. And then people are going to get surprised that it didn't work out. They're going to rush out of the market. You're going to get calamity. You're going to get under, you're going to get fear, right? And then it's going to slowly build back up. And then you're going to get back to arrogance. It's a, it's an emotional cycle. So right now, over and over again, where are we? Where Wait, you mean I can't here? buy, I can't buy houses with tulips anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we're in peak mania. So, you know, Buffett's great on this. When others are fearful, be greedy. When others are greedy, be fearful. Right now, everybody's being greedy. The time to be afraid is now. And, and what's interesting, and people forget because they have very short memories. This is why people should read history, in my opinion, because it kind of it connects you back with how people thought during, um, during certain parts of the cycle. In 2009, uh, 2007, the stock market crashed. It took all of 2008 and it took all of 2009 to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. But people, even though 2009 was the bottom, it's the same as being at the top. You don't know. You don't know when the bottom is. So it wasn't until about 2011 and 12 when people started to become more confident, right? But you got to remember in 2011, 12, 13, the stock market was up 25%. I mean, the, the, mo- the money was coming back. The housing market, it wasn't until 2012. And so the bottom of the market, that's when lending started coming back and started, people started getting confident, right? What's interesting was it wasn't until 2017 and 18 when the retail market really moved in and started getting confident. So you had like five years where savvy investors were making bank and the retail market had no idea. In 17, 18, 19, 20, the retail market comes in. In 2021, we're in full-blown mania. I mean, there's people who just got a cell phone at 18 and a bank account, and they're spending all their money on crypto. They have no idea what is going on or what happened before them. And And the same thing is going to happen. It's going to come crashing down into calamitous fashion, and everyone's going to go, I had no idea. We thought the market fundamentals were such and such and such. And they'll say things like, the market in 08 and the real estate market in 08 was vastly different than it is in 21. There's no way it can crash. And I've heard all these stories before, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and it might be different, but the money you're going to really, really make in your life is going to be at the bottom when most people are afraid. Mm-hmm. But this time it's different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it will be different. Alex is going to go grab the, the book. <laughs> he is. I knew it. I knew if I said that, he'd find that he probably had the book laying around. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, you get I mean, I'm still up. buying, but I'm buying stuff, you know, 60, 70% on the dollar. So, I mean, yeah, as a risk, sure, but I'm okay with it as long as I got long term fixed rate debt on it. Well, I'm not running around um, in, in a buying spree right now. Like, uh, like it just has to, I'm, I'm careful. I'm, I'm waiting for my pitch. And when the pitch comes through, I take it down. Um, yep. but I don't have to have a deal to make my, make, make my financial future, uh, sustainable, right? Yeah. Let's see if it'll focus. I yeah. knew you, I, I knew you wouldn't let me down. You know, There's I haven't the read book. the book. It's different. If you think this time is different, let me newsflash about this book, the book called this time is different. No. Uh, spoiler alert. This time is not, not different. <laughs> <laughs> This is, so I, this is, I think it's this, the specifics that are different, but the but the story is the same, right? What's it again? 
the specifics of the financials are always different. The human behavior is always the same. Right. Do you know okay. what the number, do you know what the two things that cause financial calamity in all societies, sometimes civilization ending calamity? Do you know what the two causes always are? No. Debt and inflation. And we have a lot of inflation right now, and we're up to our eyeballs in debt. We have the most debt and the most inflation that this country has uh, ever seen. You know, let's talk about that for a second, because um, I am actually in the middle of that um, concern of shouldn't some of us, shouldn't we have an alternate plan? Because the fundamental principle that I all the financial independence stuff that we follow is around the U.S. government or the U.S. economy being sta stable and growing over time. We're still a pretty young country, and um, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm, I'm not trying to, 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 to be a naysayer, but you know, it's, it feels very untenuous and unstable right now. Um, and I think there is, an, there is a reasonable thought to what are we going to do when when the proverbial shit does hit the fan? Because it's, it's, it's primed for it. I am in the middle of starting a new podcast that the, the, the basic premise is um, we are coming to a financial storm of unforeseen proportions, and it's going to be co combined with a political storm of unforeseen, unbeforeseen um, proportions and it is all going to hit the head during the 2024 elections. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. What do you do about it? Because it's bigger, it's bigger. You know, I mean, I have a family, you know I mean? Like a lot of us have people who um, we, we care about and want to take care of and money aside, isn't going to protect us. Well, Paul, do you own land and guns? Yeah. But yes. Yeah, yeah. A garden and guns. What do you mean? What do you do? Yeah, about garden it? and gun. Yeah. I need to subscribe to garden and gun. Dang. That's, yeah, that's the, I, uh, that's the name yeah, of the I'll podcast, my... Gardening Guns. <laughs> is it really? No. Oh. <laughs> the name of the the name of the podcast is the Final American Political Podcast. Okay. I'm gonna start one the next day and then call you a fraud. <laughs> like he's not the last one. All press is the, good press. Let's the, go. The 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 final final. <laughs> <laughs> Most final. Oh man. All right, so this is what your podcast is going to discuss about, like teeing up the 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 opportunity or the the the, the risk, and then are you going to talk about the solution? Because talk, not talking about the solution is no. Well, what was the point? Alex doesn't have a solution. He's he's too wise to make predictions. It's, it's, it's not a solution for the entire society. It's it, it, for me. Uh, it's addressing the personal concern of hedging that risk. I mean, you're a risk manager, right? Education is the most, is the best risk mitigator of all is knowledge. Yeah. Having your eyes open to the possibility, because what you'll do is you'll start, stop making, it's like the people that are buying cars on debt, fancy cars right now are making a grave error because they don't realize the risk that's coming and they're obliging themselves to consumer debt or, or if you have credit cards right now. So just the act of like, um, being cognizant is a giant risk mitigator because it prevents you from making unnecessarily foolish mistakes. What do I think is going to happen? Um, like from a societal perspective, I think you, and I think in our lifetime, we'll see the end of the federal reserve as the global reserve currency. Uh, the dollar is the global the US reserve dollar currency. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll see that, which is going to change um, the way that credit works in this country, because that's how we have so much credit because um, 
we lend our money out to every to every other country. And when they don't want to buy the the, the that money, we're going to have a lot less um, access to credit. So um, that's going to have unforeseen um, unforeseen consequences. But I do think um, as much as people are dumping on cash right now, I think having high cash reserves and having a light lifestyle. Um, and I think those types of things are going to be risk meters. I mean, society will go on. That's that's for certain. Um, and, and society will go on even if America isn't number one, uh, just like it did before America was number one, which it did for the most of its yeah. only the last 80 years right. has America been in first place. It's not like right. I mean, we're just American exceptionalism has made us think. Uh, well, yeah, we, we, we believe the, 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 the America's number one. We're, we're, we're taught that from the, our society just teaches that I'm, I'm not convinced we're still number one right now. I mean, well, we're, we're number one in GDP. Sure. We're, we're number one GDP per capita by a long shot. Yeah. Um, but China is going to overtake us in GDP. But the, I mean, look, the, the fact is, I mean, they have four times as many people, so they're going to win straight up. No doubt. No doubt. Straight well, that's gonna a win. lot of the reason we've won is because we have more people than most countries, too. <laughs> we have the most people. We have two neighbors, which is like an anomaly on the on the planet. Right. And we get along with both of them, which is an anomaly. And, yeah. and then we have giant oceans. So it's like, even if you wanted to mess with us, it's like, it's not that easy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those things will continue to be benefits, but um, having four times the amount of people, if they equaled our production in terms of GDP dollars per person, they're going to absolutely decimate crush us. Crush us. Crush us. Yeah. But I also don't think, you know, we're not at war with them now and we're not going to be at war with them before, but we are probably like the likelihood that you start spending uh, money in crypto one before yeah. the end of your lifetime is high. Yeah. Or, or some sort of, um, so I, I kind of wonder if there will be, the without cryptocurrencies this would be a different conversation but with cryptocurrencies i almost wonder if we're going to get to the place where we're going to choose our currency based on our values oh that's a whole other interesting thing that could um work within the metaverse because what's going to happen i think with the metaverse is there'll be more than one yeah like you can hang on facebook you can hang on instagram you might pick both but more than likely most people pick one or the other you're gonna, primarily. You're gonna pick your, your place yeah you're going to pick your world. Like, so yeah, it's like the global, the national physical borders may actually matter less than the digital borders that you choose. They already do. They, uh, no, not, not yet, but, but we're, we're, we're trending towards that, that already. Yeah. We're seeing it. And so you might pick the metaverse and it'll have a currency and you might pick this other verse and it'll have its own currency. And in those worlds is going to come, like you said, values, and uh, my guess, yeah, it'll be very interesting how that fleshes out. We could speculate for the funsies, but I have no idea. Yeah, me either. Uh, but but Facebook wanted to do it with the lira, right? They wanted to have their own crypto. Um, I I don't know the inner mechanics enough to know why they didn't do that. My guess is it's forthcoming. <laughs> um, well, and I think it's uh, um, when it comes to the actual metaverse, it's going to be less about actual cryptocurrencies and more about. Um, so there will be cryptocurrencies that are that can be that will be supported across a metaverse, but then it'll be more about your selection of the metaverse to coincide with your values. It's it's your choice right now of Google or Apple, or your choice right now of Facebook or Instagram or TikTok kind of thing. Same, yeah, yeah, I like it. But the like the it. details of that and how it's actually going to play out is just so interesting to watch. Yeah, what I but the thing that's interesting about all these new technologies is how confident people get about something that's so new. I'm like, you learned crypto yesterday, and now all of a sudden you're an expert. Well, it's the what, what is the the Diner Cunning? I can't remember the name of the. Oh, it's the uh, Dunner. Yeah, 
Dunning Kruger, Dunning Kruger um, effect. Like you, you feel like an, an, I'm guilty of it. I found myself learning something like I, I know this, and then you you really read further. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, actually, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, well, so the, this is my complaint. Oh, sorry, David, please. Sorry, I was just gonna say the crypto posts in my Facebook group are usually like the most destructive things. Yeah. It's like you you read through the comments and you're just like, I can't. I don't even know who to like tell to stop. This is just chaos. And I think that reinforces my you know, not well-researched theory that uh, your your selection of cryptocurrency will somehow line up with your your online social presence. Oh, yeah. The, what you said, the tail wagging the dog kind of thing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 But, you know, um, people are going to compete against Ethereum or Solana or ADA or however many other versions of that. Dogecoin. Yeah, which is it's I mean, silly, right? I mean, it has no, has no Dogecoin. Don't you hate on it? Um, <laughs> what I, I found this out when I started doing real estate and I started um, learning a little bit about real estate and I started feeling the risks. And I was in it for three or four years and I was like, okay, I'm, I never started an education platform, but I did start blogging and telling people what, what I was doing. Yeah. And what I started to notice is I, I started people that were doing it f- for fewer years than me were popping up and teaching. And I was like, you know, less than me. How? How can you teach? And then what I started to realize was that I no longer learn real estate from people who have been doing it since bef- uh, only since before the crash, 08. And so I look at them like, if you've only been doing it in an up market, how do you know if you're actually good? I don't know. I don't know if you I'm might, any good. You I might could be, be all terrible wet. real estate. I could be yeah. all wet too. Yep. Yeah. So I don't learn from people unless they've been doing it since. Hopefully this doesn't or- age bad. <laughs> Four years from now, all of us are like, Crap, we sucked. Our portfolios are gone. Well, I think well, we're I all admitting, not, but very we're admitting that, that that possibility exists. And yeah. that and we're not quite so arrogant to think that we have it all figured out. Yeah. The more you learn, the less you should know. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. And so people who are really confident, I'm like, oh, you don't know that much. That's why you're confident. It's a very, it's like the opposite. The people who I know who are really wise are the fastest to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Play it or, safe. Or they ask <laughs> questions, right? Like how many people do you really respect that don't ever ask questions? Yeah. Like I'm they, bad they, about they, that. They speak in absolutes. Well, you, you don't, oh. I mean like in, in, you don't speak in absolutes. You, no. you have a point of view, right? But you're, you're also the quick to say, I don't know. It's going to be different. Like there, you, you talk about principles and you just say it in a fun way, but you're not saying I have it all figured out. I have no, my, I, my overall advice is um, I know most what I know most is what I don't know. Yeah. And um, there are certainly principles that go over the test of time, um, but they're so abstract. It's hard to be like, um, it's kind of like- It's hard to you know, quantify that, them. Yeah. Yeah. It's Buffett's like, when be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. That right there is a core principle of how to behave in, a, in any economic environment. The problem okay. is when do you know when people are actually being greedy and when are they being fearful? Or, or when do you know if they're being greedy- or yeah, it's hard to quantify that. Right. Or something. Yeah. Great it's principle, even but it, when you get into like, it's even harder when you get into like a circle that specializes in what you're trying to to do, right? Because then you're like, okay, well, do I feel like everyone's getting greedy because I'm surrounded by a bunch of real estate investors who all are thinking the same way I am, and we're all pushing, or is everybody getting greedy? And I'm like, it's it 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 yeah, you gotta like, that's why you gotta be able to see things in your circle, out of your circle, kind of. 
Well, don't live in echo chambers. That's that, that's. If if there were another principle that I thought there is, I, I wish I could quote somebody who has said this in a better way than I have. But um, like the 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 risk that that we that social media ironically creates is um, extreme echo chambers. And if you if you find yourself camped out in an echo chamber and you're just looking for confirmation of what you already believe, you're not going to find anything new. The internet has allowed people, I've been saying this for a few months now, I got to find a, I got to find a way to coin it real clever, but we are now experiencing mass confirmation bias. Yeah. In a way within that- our, with inside of our echo chambers that are created by the ability for us to um, self-select ourselves into these small groups. Oh yeah. Everybody yeah. knows, everybody can go on the internet and you can get any kind of crazy theory you want and say, oh, the internet, I found a way, I found somebody who agrees with me. So I'm any, right. Any question that you have in your mind and you want the answer to be something, you can find someone saying it already. <laughs> oh, there's, a ton, there's tons of proof that the world, the earth is flat, right? Yeah. So. The, 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 the real value, another book that um, people should read is um, Carl Sagan's candle, uh, Science as a Candle in the Dark. Yes, Great for dismel, uh, dispelling kind of um, things that mess with your head. Yeah. The, the real the principle there is um, to understand um, that you, your body, your brain is kind of in a way designed this is thinking fast and slow um Daniel Kahneman your brain is designed to convince you that you're right and once you understand that your brain is designed to convince you that you're right you should spend all of your time fighting against that and find go on the internet and find all the things that convince you that you're wrong yes love that yeah which is not a so, fun, which actually, is not a fun ego check to endure. it's not either Go go prove to yourself that the that the Earth is not flat. Like it, it's not as obvious as you think. Um, go go and prove to yourself that anybody listening to this, you, you you believe wholeheartedly that the Earth is round and not flat. Well, go go prove that scientifically to somebody. Um, there's a video by Carl Sagan actually coincidentally on uh, about how a guy named Arostatines convinced was uh, found out that the Earth was round, and he and he gauged it. He predicted the circumference to an actually fairly sophisticatedly close degree. And he did it 2,500 years ago. And he did it with um, like shadows in, in holes in the ground. It's a very, really sophisticated um, answer. But I'm, I'm willing to bet most people aren't going to conjure that up on their own. No. Have you seen the uh, the breakdown of like the pyramid uh, dimensions? Man, I got sucked into a loophole on, on TikTok, of course, of all things the other day. But so who knows how accurate it is. But uh, talking about like the similarities between the like the fact that they're the, the Giza pyramid is like perfectly oriented to true north. And then the is this going to um, end with ancient aliens? No, no, it actually like it, it ends with um, oh, I want to say it's the height, but like essentially the diameter of the pyramid like multiplied a certain number of times is like the direct circumference like basically the the whole point of the video was like there's so they, many they coincidences math. they knew math that it couldn't be a coincidence like back then they had you know like a very good idea of the size of the earth and the d- direction of the orientation and it's pretty mind-blowing it's like man all right maybe this is i don't know it's a mistake to think that the people who lived before us are dumber than us that's a mistake. The people who live before us, there's no evolutionary change. They're just as smart as us. They didn't have the same tools, but they're clever fellas. And guess what? A lot of them didn't have the distractions we do. They're no kidding. Smart like, people. They, they, they weren't time. listening to us. <laughs> yeah. They had time that's to figure stuff smart. out. 
A lot of them. So uh, it, it is a grave and common error to think that people before us were dumber than us. They were clever folk. Um, we're the dumb ones, I think. Not all. Definitely. Just Paul. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Paul, Paul, what's next? What are you looking for in 2022? You know. Okay. 2022. So I am, so from a real estate perspective, I'm, I'm playing in land and which is kind of like my, my big strategy and my kind of small strategy is this midterm rental deal. And then buying a couple of properties as they come and go. Um, my um, outside of real estate, um, I am very much on more of this like whole life millionaire um, approach. Um, life isn't all about money. Um, life is about my, my relationships with the people that I matter most, um, that matter most to me. And I just want to make sure I get those priorities straight. Um, and so I don't have like big, crazy, audacious business goals. I have much more, um, fun, exciting goals around spending time with my children who are, you know, are getting older and will not be in, in the house anymore and taking trips, uh, COVID permitting and that sort of thing. I love it. Let me ask you a question. Would you, if the market tanks and an opportunity becomes abundant, would you pivot again? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, so, I, I'm not attached to real estate. I'm not attached to, I mean, I'm attached to opportunity. So um, I love this because I have similar goals where I really want to work hard in 2022. There are definitely some real estate goals that I want to um, focus on, but I am, my goals um, are holistic. Are My goals are, not valuable. They're meaningful. Um, so yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm doing a lot more reading, a lot more meditating, a lot more just being very happy and present and satisfied with the now, like uh, always be content, but never be complacent kind of idea. Join my book club. Okay. I'm a bookaholic still. Yeah. We'll talk about Likewise. Yeah. I'm going on a hike in May. I'm going on a, have you ever heard of the Santiago, uh, the Camino de Santiago? Yeah. Yes. I'm going, I'm going to do it in March and May. It's a religious pilgrimage. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So similar. So I'm glad to hear that. We'll have to, we'll have to spend a little more time this year. Absolutely. Oh, and I would say uh, w w traveling. I mean, I haven't been, in, I I've chosen to travel very much the last two years. I'm going to make up for that a little bit this year and go to more conferences just because of it's the people you meet and the fun you have. You want to go to Best Ever in Denver in February? In, in Denver in February. Sure. Yeah. I'm buying tickets today, okay. actually. All right. Count me in. And then, like yeah, David, what about you? Uh, I'm probably not in the right mentality to talk. He's trying to survive his, his, flu, his yeah, flu epidemic. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working to figure that out. Um. I haven't sat down and done that yet because it's it's a uh, a lot of things changed this past year. So yeah, they did. Who knows? They're free man. Um, I figure we can do like a full show where you and I talk talk goals. Oh yeah, heck yeah, I'm down for that. Um, although my uh, my family is home, so I'm probably gonna have to roll here in a second. Uh, I want to have Paul on again at some point next year. So let's oh, yeah. let's make sure we schedule him in. Maybe say like October or so, so we can get you in about about a year and see. I'd love to have this to follow up and be like, what actually? 
how did things shake out? Because it'll be interesting. The, oh. the, the, the random show uh, episode two. We, we're going to do a lot more random shows. If you are listening to this and I want to know what people think, David and I have been going through structural changes in the show for a long time because um, interview styles kind of get tedious. It's hard. To, it's yeah. logistically difficult to get a new guest yeah. um, every, every week. And then also we interviewed well, Robert Kiyosaki and we interviewed Grant Cardone on the same day. We launched those in the same month and it's kind of like, okay, what are you we, doing there? we sort of peaked a little bit. And so we want to, <laughs> but we still want to add value. So we're trying to be like, Hey, look, we're going to have, David and I solo shows. We're going to have um, BS with our friends and kind of just have deep dives where we don't have to really tell Paul's whole story. We just want to hear what you think. And so if you're for our guests and our listeners, uh, for our listeners, we want to know, we want feedback. Is this a better, I feel like this was a really interesting and valuable show full of wisdom. And so I'm curious what our, what our listeners feel. If they like you, then we'll have you back. If they don't like you, then yeah, I, I, I maybe kick up the island, which is which is fine. Paul's been on the show like three times. This is probably this is but, probably probably more than anyone else. But you were the host before. Now I'm the host, so you know it's it's, nice. weird. it's a different. It's a different. That's that pitch anything tactic where you you make people wait on you to show your dominance. Ah. Uh, well, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't like playing with people like that. Plus, I just walk in, look at my hair. I am dominant. What do you want to tell you? Oh, I just that was and he's going to go like, crush a workout know, afterwards. So yeah, I got some meetings, but then yeah. I think I'm going to go crush a workout. I'm going to be honest. If there's no uh, if there's no tagged story on Instagram of these deadlifts, I don't know that I'm going to buy into them. <laughs> you know what? I have yeah, been gotta, slacking in the up. gym. I've been slacking in the gym for uh about 90 days really been struggling with it but i'm feeling the, the i'm feeling the height back i'm gonna go back i have a goal that i still i've been deadlifting and squatting my whole life right i have a goal that at 40 years old i still want to be able to deadlift and squat 400 pounds each damn so um i don't believe that that's gonna be that difficult but i, I can't not go to the gym and then do it so i need to get right. back into it get my my uh my machine back so i'm gonna go to the gym tonight maybe and if I do, I'll tag you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if he does. Do it. Do it. All right, Paul, where can people get a hold of you? PaulDavidThompson.com is the best place to go. <laughs> Easy. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. Dude, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And, Thanks for uh, having me. For, for tolerating my, you know, top peak performance today. Well, just so long as you, as you tell me that I surpassed um, uh, any other guests that you've had, uh, um, all the names that you just mentioned, that, that you like the the smartest guy you've had on here so far, the, that that extolled the most of wisdom was me. Then I then I'll I'll, I'll I'll let it pass this time. I mean, it was you on the the last episode. I don't know if this one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you're the best, dude! Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.